It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Football Social Daily. Hello, welcome along to Football Social Daily, Premier League news, views and opinions in podcast form seven days a week. Every day between now and the end of the season, we'll have a new show for you. So hit subscribe and you won't ever miss one. Brilliant Bruno Fernandes. That's the headline from last night's clash at the Amex Stadium, where Brighton were beaten 3-0 by a rampant Manchester United. Wolves put the pressure on in the race for top four. Manchester United responded in emphatic style. Just how far could United go this season. We'll also talk about tonight's fixtures which sees Arsenal take on Norwich, Bournemouth play Newcastle United, Everton play Leicester and a big London derby at the London Stadium as West Ham look to stave off relegation against Chelsea. We'll also discuss the big transfer topic of the last couple of days. It's the fact that Leroy Sane will be leaving Manchester City to sign for Bayern Munich this summer. My name's Niall McCorn. Alongside me on today's podcast we have Stefan Armstrong. Hello Stefan. Hi Niall, how's it going? I'm very well, mate. I'm enjoying this week. Uh, I feel a little bit more relaxed than last week. I'm into the swing of Project Restart. I wonder if Jim Salverson, who's also on the podcast, is into the swing of Project Restart. Or are you dreading every West Ham game uh, every day it creeps closer, Jim? I hate football. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit of, I mean, it's hard work at the moment, isn't it? I've got West Ham on the telly tonight at 8 o'clock. Normally that would be something I'd look forward to for a couple of weeks ahead when West Ham on the telly, because I don't get down to the ground virtually ever now to watch them live and it's just I just know it's going to ruin my week I just know it's going to ruin my week so not particularly looking forward to it now you'll have Agatha Christie's Poirot on by half time trust me Uh, (laughs) if the the recent form of West Ham is anything to go by Uh, what about the recent form of Manchester United because that's where we're going to start on today's Football Social Daily they won 3-0 in last night's Premier League clash at the Amex Stadium against Brighton and Hove Albion now this represents a good result in more than one way firstly because Manchester United are chasing the top four gym and Wolves put the squeeze on by beating Bournemouth whilst United are in FA Cup action last weekend so this has been their first chance to kind of keep pace with Wolverhampton Wanderers who are doing exceptionally well this season but also earlier on in the campaign Manchester United were losing to teams like Brighton they lost to the likes of Brighton Mm. to the likes of Norwich and teams like that whereas against the bigger clubs they seem to have a bit more success so this is a good result and it was Bruno Fernandes who really stole the show in the end. 
he's been absolutely stunning since he came to the club. And a few of the naysayers that I've seen on social media have been calmed down, United. It is only Brighton that you've beaten 3-0. But you just have to look at the effect he has had since he arrived at the football club and how it has, seems to have changed the, compl- the atmosphere around the place. I mean, since he came to Manchester United, they have picked up more points than any other Premier League team. More than Liverpool. Liverpool have got 16 points from the seven games since he arrived. United have got 18 points in eight games. So points per game, not quite as good. But still, picking up points. And you compare their early season form to now, it is a stark difference. And the only difference, the only major change in that time has been the arrival of Bruno Fernandes. He's obviously brilliant. He's obviously the playmaker they've been looking for in the middle for a long time. But you look at the performance last night and it's not just him who's having an impact. He seems to have lifted the performances of those around him as well. Even now last night's game, I thought Nemanja Matic was absolutely fantastic. He was the pivot in that heart of midfield that allowed Fernandez to be the playmaker, that allowed Pogba to create the space, that allowed Mason Greenwood to get forward and really penetrate the Brighton defence as well. And when you've got players like Nemanja Magic, whose career looks all but washed up, maybe six months ago at Manchester United, performing well, you can't just credit that to Fernandez's arrival, but he certainly has had a massive impact. Yeah, you'd have to say that he has been absolutely brilliant since he's come in. And in all fairness to him, scoring two goals last night wasn't just the only part he played. He linked up nicely with Paul Pogba and there were question marks, Stefan, mm-hmm. um, as well. That is, Could those two play together? Could those two function well together in, in a midfield where maybe there wasn't enough room for two big personalities, two big marquee midfielders? But it seems to be working for Solskjaer. Why did we ever doubt it? It's unbelievable. Two players together, aren't they, really? Um, I, think, I think Pogba's kind of woken up a little bit and thought... Maybe he's realised that he's got a player uh, playing alongside him who's on the same level, and and it's it's just piqued a bit of interest in him, to be honest with you. Uh, and they look like they're linking up nice last night. Bruno Fernandez is is stealing the show right now, and I like how he's just relaxed. He, he, his link up play is phenomenal, but see when he see when he's maybe twenty five yards outside and taking a shot, he's not he's not slashing at anything. Everything's just calculated and placed. He hit the post. Uh, and then and then his first goal that went in just shows you the class he's got just to be confident in just to just to caress the ball into the net almost um, what a signing yeah and I think I think everything's just slowly starting to click at Man United um, especially with Mason Greenwood um, really kind of progressing as well as the season's gone on uh, Pogba returning Fernandez coming in and Greenwood almost almost going to the next level Um that's what Man United needed and for the first time last night I, I kind of actually for the last few games but especially last night I actually enjoyed watching Man United and I was speaking to a few people on the phone afterwards and uh, that's the first time in a long long time I've enjoyed watching Man United I think we have to start giving Solskjaer credit as well now for what he's done at the club because myself included I was part of the Gone By Christmas parade when he first came into the job and it's been a slow Progress. I think a lot of Manchester United fans have been frustrated by the impact he's had and the progress he's made. But finally, Manchester United are playing the football that he said initially he wanted to see them play. It's that swashbuckling, counter-attacking football that we saw under Sir Alex Ferguson. That was always Solskjaer's intention and now it's coming to fruition. He got a load of criticism for not replacing 
Romelu Lukaku when he left Manchester United and not bringing in another striker. But actually now, that front three, Greenwood, Martial and Rashford, looks really promising and it looks like it could be the future front three for Manchester United years to come. So Solskjaer, although we are going Bruno Fernandes has been the difference, he deserves the credit. It feels like it is Solskjaer's plan that's coming to fruition and the players are playing for him now suddenly. So it isn't just Fernandes, he needs credit as well as the manager. Does, does that just not show how important scouting is, though? Because look how many flops that Manchester United have signed in mm. recent seasons. And now they finally got it right. They're seeing the, the fruits of their labour. To, 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 to nick a point from Gary Neville, where he always talks about best in class, uh, and Man United, for a little while, weren't really buying the very top players. Bruno Fernandes was, was touted as probably the best midfielder in Europe when he was uh, being bought by Man United. So they've gone out and bought potentially the best player they possibly could in that position. And that's what Man United always did under Ferguson. So rather than rather than going back to a just a swashbuckling style and bringing back like this this Man United style, they've gone and actually bought the best player they possibly mm. could, and that, that's what they always did. And and you've kind of seen a return mm. to what Man United were potentially. They're not there yet, mm. though. They've, they've, they've still got a lot of work to do to to because it's essentially what Man United now are. They're the third best team in England, um, but that's not good enough. But to go back to your scouting point quickly, Niles, what has changed there? Because it doesn't feel like Solskjaer is in charge of that transfer policy. I think it's always been Ed Woodward that's looking after it. But there has been a sudden change. And they went after Fernandez. It took them 18 months to get him. But he was one of the best midfielders in Europe. And they went after him. Wambasaka, they paid a lot of money. But he has been a great signing for Manchester United. I know Harry Maguire has been getting a lot of criticism recently. But I still think he was a decent signing for Manchester United. He probably was one of the best centre-backs they could go and get to play in that position at that time. So they have Daniel James as well. I mean, he was never going to be a first choice player when he came into the club he was always earmarked as one for the future and they are getting suddenly they are getting signings right so I don't know what has changed in that scenario but there has again yeah you're you're spot on suddenly the scouting seems to be paying off I certainly think Fernandez is a case in point there I'm not sure I would label the same sort of credit at at Daniel James who I think in his first season in the Premier League has done really well but I I still don't think he gets into the majority of Premier League sides starting 11s I, I really he's a, don't. He's a, and that, he's a player for the future, isn't he? He's only 18 or whatever. I think so as well, because look at Greenwood. You mentioned him earlier, Stefan. Greenwood, I mean, how good could he become? I mean, the finish for the first goal, like a couple of step overs, really small back lift, left the goalkeeper flat footed. So, you know, that's promising to see that they've got an 18, 19 year old striker who scored like 10, 11 goals this season. They've, they've, just, they've just invested mm. big in, in the right players at the right time. I mean, Harry, Harry Maguire. He, he, he gets a, he gets a lot of stick, but if you look at the FA Cup game at the weekend, he's a guy who's scoring in the last minute to to take them through. He's bringing a bit of that, you know, mm. almost like the Steve Bruce grit into the into the twenty first century. I mean, uh, this has got to be rated. I think I think um, I think they've just been fortunate being able to get these players who have been available because you Kevin De Bruyne is these types of players, the real real world class players. They're tied up, so you're never going to get them. So you've got to get the next best thing. Um, and that that is a player like Bruno Fernandes or or Harry Maguire. Are they getting top four, Stefan? Yeah, I, th- I think they're gonna they're gonna take over Leicester hundred percent. I think I think Leicester uh, they're, they're sliding quick, and I think Man United. I've looked at the the, the rest of the Man United fixtures, and it it looks pretty plain, plain sailing for Man United. To be honest, if they keep this form up, I can't I can't see them really dropping any points. Not really. Wolves would have something to say about that though Jim 
Yeah, I, I, I'm not confident of making the call that Manchester United are going to get top four at the moment, but they will be there or thereabouts. Leicester, they've had a slow start, but they've got quality players. Jamie Vardy will always score goals and he will get back into the run of it before the end of the season. Chelsea are obviously looking good for one of those top four positions. Wolves are flying at the moment, so they'll be there or thereabouts, but I think calling them as 100% nailed on for top four is a, a a bit of a stretch for me at the moment. Okay, well, the final score at the MX Stadium, Brighton nil, Manchester United 3, and there are four games to look forward to tonight in the Premier League, and we're going to start at the Emirates Stadium, where Arsenal welcome basement boys Norwich City to North London. I'm just going to put it out there. I think we all agree here at Football Social Daily. Unfortunately for any Canaries fans listening, uh, Norwich won't be staying up this season. So let's take on this game from an Arsenal perspective. (laughs) The Europa League is still there for the taking, which might surprise some people considering Arsenal's Premier League form of late. They finally got their first win since Project Restart against Southampton last time out, uh, but they had lost their previous two against Manchester City and Brighton before that. So... You know, Mikel Arteta, the door is still ajar for him to kind of creep into the Europa League. They might have even had designs on a Champions League place at the start of the season, but they do have injuries. No Martinelli, no Mari, no Chambers. If Arsenal don't finish above Burnley this season, who are now eighth in the Premier League, Stefan, I mean, there needs to be some questions asked about the performances this season, certainly. Uh, yeah, 100%. Arsenal Arsenal should be going for Champions League, shouldn't they? So if, if they're, never mind even below Burnley, if, if they're finishing below Wolves, now I know Wolves have had a incredible season, but they're two different projects for them. Football clubs, Arsenal, are very, very established. So the fact that they're not even really in the hunt for that sixth position, uh, that's a worry. And I think they've addressed that. They've addressed that by bringing in Arteta um, and putting a bit of putting a bit of uh, trust in in a youthful attacking lineup. Um, it's great to see players like Özil not getting a game, and I'm a German. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm happy seeing Ozil not go again because it kind of represents everything that's wrong with Arsenal at the minute um, and again that's that kind of slow football which Arsenal can't, can't get involved with it needs to be quick it needs to be attacking it needs to be youthful and I think Arteta will bring that but it, it, it is a great shame for all Arsenal fans out there that they're in the position that they're in um, I, think, I think they'll come eighth mm. I think any Arsenal fan, any Premier League fan in general, unless you wear the yellow of Norwich, would back Arsenal to beat the Canaries at home tonight, Jim. But it just wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if that isn't the case. I, I don't know why or what it is with Arsenal. We've discussed it on the podcast before that they still have this kind of soft underbelly, which I think is a term Marley used, which I quite like. I wouldn't be surprised if Norwich beat them. I wouldn't, which is a pretty stunning thing to say, considering how established Arsenal are, as Stefan says. But you've always been able to say it about Arsenal, haven't you? Certainly for the last four or five years, you never quite know which Arsenal is going to turn up. And it could be the one that scores five and puts on a Rolls-Royce performance. And it could be the one that ships three, boots the ball into their own net. (laughs) David Luiz has an absolute meltdown. And it's kind of the other end of the scale. It feels like this season's a bit of a gimme for Arsenal now. There were issues. There have been issues. They're still not performing to the right level. But as Stefan says, they've addressed that by getting rid of Emery and bringing in Arteta who I think a lot of people are very confident will have an impact within the Arsenal camp the Arsenal fan base think he is the right man even though he's not necessarily proving that yet 
there is a rebuilding job to do. We know there have to be certain players that are going to leave that club. And it's interesting that they are putting such faith in youth at the moment and whether that is going to be the blueprint going forward or whether they are going to invest in superstars again. I'm quite confident Arsenal will do one against Norwich this evening. I think, I think Norwich have so little to play for at the moment and I think Arsenal do need to prove a point. They hadn't won until they beat Southampton um, in the last game and they kind of got a little bit lucky with that, potentially didn't deserve that win. So I think they do need to prove a point. And so much so I've left, I was going to get rid of Aubameyang out of my fancy football team this week and then oh, I saw no. they had Norwich and I was like, do you know what, I'm doubling down. So I've got Aubameyang <laughs> captain. That's, that's how confident I am that Arsenal are going to get a decent performance tonight. He's my captain as well. I've still got triple captain to use. I might deploy that tonight um, and wait for a Norwich 2-0 <laughs> victory, inevitably, as is always <laughs> the case when you make a move like that in fantasy football. Um, to be honest, Stefan, I, I had a go at Arsenal's board the other day and I stand by what I said. You can't be successful in the Premier League and try and compete with those other clubs that are in the top six if you're not willing to spend money and that feels like what Arsenal have been pretty stingy over the last few seasons yeah 100% I think the the, the whole future of okay not the whole future of Arsenal Football Club but tomorrow eh, tomorrow next season definitely depends on uh, on Aubameyang and if, if they keep a player of that calibre because it's only players like that can it's not really necessarily about spending money it's about what players can you attract and players want to play with good players and if you look through that Arsenal lineup. Apart from Aubameyang, I, if I was a professional footballer at the very top level, I wouldn't be interested in going to Arsenal. What am I going to do? Play with Lacazette? Boring. Yeah, and and also, you know, if you're not playing Champions League, what's the point? I think, if you, you know, a club like that, the minimum you'd expect would be Champions League. Anyway, it's Arsenal versus Norwich City tonight in the Premier League at the Emirates Stadium. Norwich uh, will need to have Todd Campwell and Lucas Rupp prove their fitness. They'll be subjected to a late fitness test, uh, but no Grant Hanley, Sam Byram or Christoph Zimmerman for Daniel Farker. Mikel Arteta missing Martinelli, Mari, Leno and Chambers. Cedric could be in line for his first appearance for the club since he signed seven months ago um, and Lucas Torreira is on the comeback trail after breaking his ankle before lockdown but it looks like this game will come too soon for him anyway another fixture that takes place tonight is also with a big focus down at the bottom end of the table and it comes at the vitality stadium where afc bournemouth welcome newcastle united and again let's attack this from a relegation angle because the magpies newcastle steve bruce has done a great job they're 10 points clear of the danger zone so you certainly feel that this game's more important for bournemouth jim no callum wilson for eddie howe as he's suspended which will be a big blow and we mentioned last week on the podcast that the Eddie Howe effect might have gone a little bit stale. They seem like painful to watch at the moment, in my opinion, compared to what we're used to seeing from Bournemouth, this nice style of football that Eddie Howe has always had attributed to him. Um, it doesn't seem to be working. So, you know, in a fight for survival, their five-year Premier League stay is under threat. Should Howe entertain ideas about switching the style of play up, play up and perhaps trying something different against Newcastle tonight? I guess the question is, does Eddie Howe want to do that? He's always had a style of play, and that's the style of play that has had him linked with jobs like the Arsenal job previously. I don't think he's going to mix it up, and I think I think it, there's writing on the wall for Bournemouth and for Eddie Howe's tenure at the club. I think this season has been one season too many. You're spot on. It's just gone a little bit stale. Players don't look motivated by his methods anymore and whatever he's saying in the dressing room the investment hasn't quite been there I don't think they've not brought in the right players to kick that 
team on again and again and again. And they just don't have that ability or that desire to play the ugly football that sometimes you need to play when you're down the wrong end of the table. So, yeah, common sense would say you need to kind of mix it up and play the kind of football that Burnley play if you're facing off against Newcastle, almost out Newcastle, Newcastle. (laughs) But I don't think they'll do it. They'll try and play around it. And I think... Steve Bruce and Newcastle will get a relatively straightforward victory tonight, mm. even though they're safe, even though their focus is probably elsewhere. They probably, they'll, they'll have enough. They'll eat. I think Bournemouth will struggle. Do you know what? I think as a West Ham fan tonight, Jim, you'll certainly be paying plenty of interest to this game before your game yeah. kicks off a couple of hours later, because it could really change things up down at the bottom of the table if AFC Bournemouth get a win. They're one of a few teams, Stefan, in the mix for relegation this year. I mean, you could take your pick of any five teams to go down this season but in your opinion would AFC Bournemouth be one of them is is their five year spell in the league over um, sorry Jim I'd rather it be West Ham than Bournemouth if I'm being honest but <laughs> I, I think <laughs> I think it will be Bournemouth why what a Bournemouth offer because the league think, who wants think, Bournemouth in the Bournemouth Premier League have got some spirit in it at least it's a good away day going to the seaside room and going to an old Olympic park <laughs> you know what I mean so you want you want Bournemouth to stay in the Premier League so you can have an ice cream on yeah, the pier? Yeah, 100%. Not 100%. good enough. <laughs> Bournemouth in August, it sounds like nothing better than that to me. Nah, do, do you know what? Bournemouth is... I, I, I think they will go down. I think Bournemouth are the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde football team. And I think Eddie Howe plays different football at the beginning of the season than he does at the end of the season when it's crunch time. At the start of the season, they were... They were they had some interesting tasty games there were a lot of 3-1s they beat, they beat Everton 3-1 beat Southampton 3-1 drew 2-0 with West Ham it's I feel like at the beginning of the season they've got that licence to to have the shackles off and play nice attacking football and at this time of the season they sh** themselves that's that's what Bournemouth is to me but then they don't have the uh, grit to change it up they don't have the ability to kind of get stuck in there's too much risk involved for a team like Bournemouth if Bournemouth go down that hits them so hard Uh, and they're not going to come back up straight away if if they go down so it's just too important for them it's it's like when it's like when tennis players are playing a rally they hit all the trick shots the exhibition shots it's mint but as soon as it comes to a to a match it's a different proposition that's what Bournemouth are for me do you know what it feels like to me as well that you know when you've bought a car and you really love the car and, it, and it's served you well for years and you think oh, I'm not going to get rid of this car yet it's still got a few miles left in it that's how I feel with, with Bournemouth's squad because a lot of those players that are there are kind of loyal to Eddie Howe and he's been loyal to them back because they've been there when the club were in League One (laughs) got up to the Championship and then got up to the Premier League some of them have been there for seven, eight years now Ryan Fraser turned his back on the Bournemouth project last week he's refused to sign a new short-term contract he wants to leave the club he's been there since 2013 and a lot of people were saying you know maybe a bit of loyalty would be better if he stayed and kind of saw out the cause and helped his side stay up before he you know off or whatever but to be honest I think a lot of the players that are in that side and I'm thinking Daniel Sermon, Cook, these likes, the likes of these players that have been there for so long. Were they ever Premier League quality or were they always punching above their weight, Jim, I suppose, is the question you could ask, harsh or not. So maybe it is time to have a little rebuild. Maybe it is time to rethink the project and going down can sometimes, and I say this as a no. West Ham fan who desperately no. doesn't want to go no. down and desperately thinks it would be terrible for our club if we went down. But maybe Bournemouth, they went down, they shed some of those players, they lost some of their 
talent. They brought in a new manager and they start again. <laughs> Would that necessarily be a bad thing? Because it kind of takes the fear factor out of it. I know you're laughing here, Stefan. It'd be, it'd it'd be a dreadful know. thing. But, 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 you know, but you know what I mean? Because people can't, clubs are very reluctant nah. to take that risk when you're in the Premier League. When you're bobbling along on 15th, 16th, 17th every season, there's a fear factor. You don't want to make that change. You don't want to bring a new manager in. And we've sort of, sort of seen it with Brighton a little bit, bringing in a new manager and it with, in Craig Potter and it, looking a little bit dicey for a while. But... Sometimes there's a reluctance to make that change. Jim, who, who's, gone, who's gone down in recent times and come back up stronger? Stoke, look at Stoke, for instance. They were in the Premier League for 10 years, which is double what Bournemouth have been in the league. And they're like nearly nearly being relegated to League One. You know, so I, I think it's sometimes so it can have a negative the effect. There's, there's, there's always, every season, there's, there's 10, mm. 11, 12 teams who are going to compete for that championship. Yeah. It's so difficult to get out of. It's the worst thing to go down. But going, mm. going, back, to, going back to Eddie Howe a little bit, now, did you say Bournemouth have been in the Premier League now for four years or five years? Five years. 2015, they got promoted. So, as as an impartial viewer, I would suggest that that's tremendous success for Bournemouth and Agreed. tremendous success for Eddie Howe. So, even if it does go wrong, I think Eddie Howe has justified a job at a so-called bigger club. Mm, interesting. We'll have to wait and see. I, I think Jim's right. I do think it feels like the fuse is starting to to run short uh, for Eddie Howe in terms of his longevity at AFC Bournemouth. But who knows? He does have an affinity with that club. And the only other place he managed was Burnley. And that was for a very, very short period. And he didn't like it and mm. came straight back to Bournemouth. So we'll have to wait and see. If they stay up this season, they'll go down next season. Because the teams coming up from the championship are looking strong at the moment. I mean, odds on it's going to be West Brom, Leeds and one other. And you'd fancy them all to do a decent job in the Premier League. So if Bournemouth don't go this year, it will be next year. Because they won't invest in the playing squad. No Callum Wilson for Eddie Howe tonight. The striker's suspended after picking up his 10th yellow card of the season against Wolves last time out. No Ryan Fraser or Jordan Ive. They've both been released. Josh King will be back in contention. He missed out against Wolves with a knock. Charlie Daniels and Simon Francis are out. And Philip Billing will be assessed. Uh, as for Newcastle, Florian Lejeune and Kieran Clark uh, are not available. But everyone else appears to be fit again, including Matt Ritchie, who'll be looking to score some points against his former club. Right, time for a quick break here on Football Social Daily. But we'll have more previews of Premier League action tonight including the big London derby at the London Stadium between West Ham and Chelsea Football Social Daily Football Social Daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sport Social. Go and check out our new website, sport-social.co.uk, where you can find all the latest Premier League news, match reports and match previews. And don't just check the website out, because if you've got a smart speaker, an Amazon Echo or a Google Home device, then you can get all of the latest news sent to those speakers as well. So make sure you go and search in the relevant skills store for Sports Social and check out our skill. And uh, make sure you set your favourite team in the Premier League and you'll get all the latest news and match reports straight to your device. Right then, time to look at some of the other fixtures that are taking place this evening and we'll travel up to Goodison Park where Everton take on Leicester. Leicester City's form is pretty poor, Jim. They're yet to win since the restart. An eight-point cushion between themselves and the chasing pack has now been cut to just three points. Manchester United and Wolves breathing down the Foxes' necks in fifth. They're only a point ahead of Chelsea in fourth. Yet to win, as I said, since, uh, since the restart of the Premier League season. It's... Getting a little bit twitchy for Brendan Rodgers, don't you think? It is, but at the same time, I think Leicester will come good. We've seen this across the league, that some teams are just 
struggling with Project Restart and struggling to get back into the swing of things. Sheffield United would be a case in point, absolutely flying before the break. And then as you get six weeks off and suddenly it's all gone to pieces. I think Leicester City are in a similar situation. They haven't got any major injuries. I know James Madison is a slight fitness doubt, but the rest of the team that did them so well before lockdown is still fit, healthy and playing. And I think it just needs to click again. When that happens is the question, and they do need to happen sooner rather than later with Manchester United's form picking up and Chelsea doing well and Wolves playing some decent football. They do need to pick up quickly. But when you've got, I mean, bear in mind that Jamie Vardy is still leading the Golden Boot charts. He's still top of that table and he hasn't scored since lockdown came up. So much of the football they play and so many of the goals they score go directly through Jamie Vardy. So I I guess it kind of puts a lot of weight (laughs) on his shoulders to a certain extent. And write off Jamie Vardy at your peril. I've done it loads of times. I've gone, right, he's too old, he's finished, he's not good enough, he was a one-season wonder. I've said all these things and he always ends up scoring an absolute hatful. So maybe it'll be... It's not going to be a big score against Everton, is it? You wouldn't have thought potentially a draw or something like that. But they just need to start scoring goals and get that little glimmer of form back, I think. He better score because not only have I got Aubameyang in my team, I've also got Vardy <laughs> and both have been absolutely shocking since the restart. So he better start scoring goals. Um, he'll want to, Stefan, because he's on 99 Premier League goals for his career. Oh. It'll be nice for him to join the 100 club. 100 so he, club. Could get this, he could get the century up tonight against Everton. That's the problem, isn't it? That's exactly what's happened. So for the last three games, he's had a T-shirt on under his main kit with 100 not out or something written on it and when you've got a t-shirt like under your kit you're just never going to score the goal drought will go on until he decides to take the t-shirt off it'll be some sort of Jamie Vardy's having a party sort of stupid quote on his shirt for sure Um, regardless Stefan whether he ends tonight on 105 Premier League goals and scores a double hat-trick will he go down as a modern Premier League great do you feel because I mean his heroics in that 2016 season where Leicester won the title in remarkable fashion won't ever be forgotten um do you know what? I've I've got no idea. Uh, for me, he will. I, I love his story, and I love that he's he's gone from non-league up to the up to the Premier League and, and won it. Um, that's an amazing story. So I think he's got to go down as a great for that. But there are a lot of players who've won one Premier League, uh, and I wouldn't consider them uh, legends. Chris Sutton, for example. So um, <laughs> I don't know. It depends on your perspective. Um, but the problem that Leicester have got. Uh, and the problem that Vardy's got especially uh, is that he's, if he's the only one scoring if he's the only golden boot um, chancer in that team then they're always going to struggle because as soon as he dries up and strikers do dry up uh, and especially when players behind you Madison are out injured um, or doubt to play then where's the attacking threat going to come from for Leicester so that's, that is the mm. problem for Leicester and I think that's why they're going to tumble I've got a, I've got a, a friend who's um a Leicester City fan and he laments the fact that uh, Brendan Rodgers uh, got a new contract he said as soon as Brendan Rodgers signed that contract Leicester's form has just dipped um, and I kind of mm. see his point yeah I mean I think to kind of reinforce the Jamie Vardy point like you say strikers do dry up um, and it, it kind of has a foot in both camps in what you were saying Stefan about the fact strikers do dry up and what you were saying Jim about the fact he always scores a hat full of goals you're right in both camps this season because this season he's also gone he's gone his longest ever spell without scoring a goal that came earlier on in the Premier League season where it was his biggest dry spell in his career but yet he still leads the golden boot 
So that just goes to show what sort of a player he really is. It does seem to be a confidence thing with Jamie Vardy, doesn't it? And he has these spells in seasons. Even when he went, was it? Was it? I think it was Leicester City's title-winning season when he went eleven games, scoring every game, broke the world, broke the Premier League record or whatever it is. He had dry spells in that season as well. It's peaks and troughs. So maybe he is just a complete confidence player. But Stefan's right. Where do the goals come from if they're not coming from Vardy? In that season, they had a Mares who was able to substitute that that effect. Um, yeah. This season they don't have that. Now they've got Iniacho. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this season it was meant to be Madison, but uh, it looks like he might miss out tonight against Everton. He's had injections on a hip injury, so it looks like he might miss out. Um, there's also been rumours that Leicester's home games between now and the end of the season will be moved to a neutral venue. There's been a COVID-19 spike in the city of Leicester here in the UK, so that could possibly affect them in their chase for Champions League football. Everton, they'll still have designs of a European place, which will actually be a, a really good achievement for them, considering at the start of the season they were looking like real nailed on relegation candidates so Carlo Ancelotti will be pleased with that talking of nailed on relegation candidates Jim (laughs) it's time to go to the London Stadium and talk about West Ham against Chelsea for me this is the biggest London derby for absolutely ages and that's because Chelsea have got plenty to play for but also West Ham have got loads to play for they want to remain a Premier League club Chelsea want to get into the top four can you see why this has got big billing tonight obviously I mean it is absolutely massive for West Ham which pains me to say it we are going to get absolutely hammered because David Moyes is refusing to take these games seriously first three games of the season he has written them off he has gone we are not going to win those games we're not even going to put in the effort or the legwork to try and win those games I mean we've had two of our key players supposedly injured for the first three games in Sebastian Haller and Gabriela Bonger and I don't believe. I don't even believe they're injured. I believe they're being rested for the running, and he's just given away these first three games of the season, given up nine points, which feels like a ridiculous strategy, but it might pay off. It might pay off. He said something quite concerning, David Moyes, didn't he, Jim? Where he said, "Oh, you know, our last day game against Aston Villa might be a shootout for who stays mm. up in the Premier League." Like, you know, there's there was eight games to go when David Moyes said that eight games to go and your manager's pinpointing in the final day of the season I mean if that doesn't ring alarm bells amongst the supporters then I don't know what will I mean I think it gives an indication of the type of manager David Moyes is and you can't believe everything he says I mean he said some ridiculous things since he's been at West Ham one that he is a born winner which is the most ridiculous thing that any football manager has ever said particularly if you're David Moyes he said he's got big plans for the future of the club I'm assuming those plans involve playing in the championship by the way we're going. But, I mean, he is not the manager to take the club forward. I don't think. (laughs) It sounds like Jose Mourinho's (laughs) left his diary at the London Stadium by accident. I mean... And he's found... David Moyes has found it. Mark Noble gave an interview the other day, which I thought was really interesting. Um, Before... I can't remember which game it was before, but it was one of his pre-match interviews. And he was talking as if the first three games of the season were dead. They were gone. So you can tell that that's the mentality that's being delivered in the club. It's the kind of, we can't beat the better teams. We can't beat anyone that's top half of the table. We need to focus on the bottom half of the table. And I I kind of agree with, yeah, you have must-win games. And the game against Aston Villa could well, it could well come to that. It could well be a must-win game that sees one of those teams be relegated. But surely your mentality when you're in the situation that West Ham are in is that you have to try and get something from every game. 
Because even if it's going to be difficult to get a point versus Chelsea, and that's exactly how West Ham will set up tonight, they will set up to get the point. There is no recognised striker in that team. They'll play four at the black, they'll play, play five in midfield, there will be no one up front, and they will set up to get a point. Once Chelsea score, the whole plan is gone. We saw it against Wolves at the start of the season, same thing happened. We saw it against Tottenham, same thing happened. So it will be history repeating itself. But you have to have a go at these teams. You have to try and get something out of those games, no matter how difficult they are, when you're in the situation that West Ham are in. Mm. Jim, you said that a couple of podcasts ago that you do have a theory why West Ham will stay up. I've been waiting patiently to hear it. So now is your platform, Jim. Take to the stage and tell everyone listening to Football Social Daily (laughs) why West Ham United will stay a Premier League club. Okay, now I want to make it clear that if West Ham do stay in the Premier League, the board get absolutely zero credit for West Ham staying in the Premier League. The rot started with their terrible recruitment over the summer. And a lot of that blame went to Manuel Pellegrini, but I think it's the investment in the playing squad that has to be to blame. There were decent amount of money spent on decent players. We saw the likes of Sebastian Hilaire come in. We saw Fornells come in for a decent wedge as well. But you have to look at the players that were shipped out and the players that were got off the wage bill to show that the books were definitely balanced, probably in favour of the club. Losing four strikers at the start of the season and replacing them with one supposedly established striker that's never played in the Premier League in Sebastian Heller and a jetty a very much untried talent was massive folly in my opinion bringing in Robert because he was Roberto sorry because he was a cheap option instead of bringing in a second string goalkeeper a substitute for Fabianski proved to be a terrible decision as well and those decisions were made financially David Moyes, since he's come in, has failed to have any kind of impact on the club at all, I think. I don't think there's a clear and concise plan going forward. I don't think the style of football suits the players we've got. And his ability to react in games is appalling. Like I say, when a game plan goes to pot, and I'm sure he does have a game plan when it sets up, there seems to be no reaction. You only have to look at when he's making his substitutions in games. He's leaving it incredibly late when players are looking so leggy after Project Restart. To know there is no ability to assess the situation and adapt according, which you do need when you're in a relegation fight. But we will stay up. We will stay in the Premier League and we will do that because of luck and nothing else (laughs) there have been we have had a terrible run of games in the last and I, I, and I think it's quite fortunate the way the games have run so David Moyes has come in he's had a couple of winnables but a lot of tough games against superior opposition this this Chelsea game out of the way and then the run for West Ham gets much much more favourable Newcastle United away Burnley at home Norwich City away Watford at home Manchester United away, which is a tough game granted, and we finish with Aston Villa at home. If you were going to pick a run of games for your run in your last six games of the season, you'd probably pick four of those opposition as the teams you wanted to play. So I think purely for nothing else other than the luck of the fixtures, West Ham will stay in the Premier League because no team that is down at the bottom has quite as good a run as we've got. You talk about superior opposition at the moment. There are 16 superior sides to West Ham in the Premier League. They go into this one. I'd argue 19. (laughs) (laughs) They go into this one in 17th place on 27 points above the relegation zone by goal difference. And within that, just the two goal swing in it. So a comfortable defeat tonight, Stefan, for West Ham if Chelsea put a few past the Hammers and Bournemouth beat Newcastle United it could really be trouble for West Ham I think Chelsea are going to batter them 
that's, I don't think you say anything more about that. I think I think West four, five, six. What are you saying? Uh, I, I'm going to say four nil Chelsea, something like that. I just I just don't see West Ham doing anything. And Jim, mm. Jim's been quite scathing of David Moyes there, and his win ratio of this season when he went back to West Ham, it's been really poor. But the problems in that club go way way past David Moyes. Uh, mm. So Jim, I think I think uh, taking a bit of your um, your wisdom from earlier on, I think West Ham should go down. They should rebuild and they should come back stronger. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't apply to West Ham. Only applies to other teams. That's oh, so it looks like we're all going for a convincing win for Chelsea this evening then as they chase top four, as I said before, just a point behind Leicester City uh, in third. Chelsea currently in fourth. And of course, Manchester United and Wolves both level on points in fifth and sixth respectively. So it's getting close in that race for the Champions League. Uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi could feature for Chelsea tonight. He hasn't played since since lockdown uh, due to a niggling ankle problem. Uh, Fikayo Tomori and Andreas Christensen are both 50-50 ahead of the game. West Ham will be without Robert Snodgrass and Sebastian Allaire with back and hip problems respectively. And uh, Arthur Masuaku will be subject to a late fitness test before the game tonight as well. So then that game kicks off at 8.15 tonight at the London Stadium. But the big news uh, comes from Manchester City from a transfer perspective today. And that's our last case. And that's the last thing we're going to focus on here today on Football Social Daily. And it's because Leroy Sane it's finally been revealed he will be joining Bayern Munich the Manchester City winger who's been subject to plenty of speculation and only kicked his first ball of the season last Monday against Burnley after um, recovering from ruptured knee ligaments will finally get his move to the German champions it's been on the cards for absolutely ages Jim finally we know Sane will be leaving Man City yeah and I think because it's been on the cards for so long Manchester City will be happy with a fee that potentially isn't what they might have expected. I mean, Sane is one of the hot talents in world football at the moment. And even it's difficult to, it's difficult to remember exactly how good he was for Manchester City 18 months ago because he's had the long injury layoff and he had a dip in form. But he is a superb player who should have commanded a fee in the region of 100 million, maybe 110 million quid. He's gone for just north of 50 but I think City will have to be happy with that just for how long it has dragged on and that it was inevitable and that Bayern Munich could have picked him up on a free at the end of his contract next season if they really wanted to be complete shithouses about it. So <laughs> I think, I mean, it's the first player in a long time who have le- who's left City at the top who ideally they would have wanted to hang on to. And Manchester mm. City now will have to recruit a left-sided midfielder to play in his place. But I think it was important at the same time to draw a veil on the whole thing to kind of end the saga that has been dragging on and move on and look ahead to what's going to happen next season to me this shows two things it shows that Manchester City have still got a few years well at least a few years at the top of the English game or at least in that bracket to be considered a a true European sort of heavyweight of a football club they are I think on the pitch but uh, and money wise they are but if you're talking Bayern Munich versus Manchester City prestige wise European chances wise I know City is still in the Champions League, but I'm just talking about the kind of heritage of the club. This is a German kid who was left out of the World Cup squad, Stefan, in 2018 to the bemusement of some German supporters, it has to be said. Uh, And he just wants to go back to his home country, get back in the national side. And he's got double the wages to do it. And the likelihood is he's going to win trophies at Bayern. I mean, you're a young German player. It's a bit of a no brainer, isn't it? I I think for a German national, the draw of Bayern Munich is massive. Because you're gonna you're in you're in the public eye the, the whole time, so that's huge. Um, 
And I think also it might be quite a shrewd move by Sadie anyway because Man City potentially haven't got any Champions League football next year anyway and he wants to get into that Euro squad for 2021 and Yogi Low has got a very love-hate relationship with Sane as you say he dropped him for the World Cup uh, and that was probably Sane at the very top of his game when he got dropped there so it makes sense on, on all counts and I think I think what is it 50 odd million or so I don't think Man City mm. will be too unhappy to get such a substantial sum for a player who who has very publicly said he doesn't want to be at the club anymore, so I think it makes sense for all parties. But I think it's a great move for Sane, um, and he'll come back stronger. Thirty-seven million quid profit, Jim, for Sane, which is good. And City also have a ten percent sell-on fee. So although they're pretty reluctant to let him go, and City fans are disappointed, um, it could work out favourably for Manchester City in the near future, especially with money perhaps being slightly tighter um, in the transfer market in general for clubs after the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, like I say, it's not a terrible deal for City. 18 months ago, they would have expected a lot more. But with the current situation in the transfer market, we don't know how that's going to be impacted going forward. And with him wanting to go and seem... I mean, he hasn't kicked a ball for Manchester City for, what, nine months now or something like that. So City City aren't going to miss him as a player because he hasn't been a City player for so long. I think the trouble is going to come with reinvesting that money because in the modern market 50 million quid isn't a whole load of cash and like I say they will need to dip in because they do need a left-sided midfielder I don't think Foden is going to fill that role he's much more central certainly seems to play best central when I've seen him although he has been deployed on the left by Guardiola at times so can they get someone of the quality they want for the 50 million they got for Sane? Probably not. They're probably going to have to dip into their reserves a little bit more as well. Best of luck to Leroy Sane and his new venture at Bayern Munich. Right, that's it for Football Social Daily today. Thanks very much, Jim. Don't cry into your beer tonight when you're watching West Ham. (laughs) And you know what? This is the kind of game, I know I've written West Ham off and Stefan's written West Ham off in tonight's game, but this is exactly the kind of game that when no one expects us to get anything, we'll win (laughs) 1-0. Oh, I can't wait to clip this podcast up and make a fool of you, Jim, in the next couple of days. Uh, Great to speak to you, Stefan. Um, Will you be watching the West Ham game tonight? No. (laughs) He's got far more interesting things to do. Uh, This has been Football Social Daily from Sports Social. My name's been Narmacorn. Thanks very much for listening to the show. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. However you listen to your podcast, that would mean a lot to us. And also go and check out our new website, sport-social.co.uk and our Amazon Alexa and Google Home Skill too. Make sure you do that and we'll speak to you again tomorrow. Football Social Daily. Get daily news and updates on your team via your Amazon Alexa. Just ask Alexa. Open Sports Social. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.